Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's traveling. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today, we're going to explore the topic, Take Refuge in the Truth of Loving Awareness. And our guest today is Dr. Tara Brock, a clinical psychologist and the author of True Refuge, Finding Peace and Freedom in Your Own Awakened Heart. She's the founder of the Insight Meditation Community in Washington, D.C., and has conducted workshops across the country. Her book, her earlier book, Radical Acceptance, won a Books for Better Life award. You can learn more about Tara Brock and her books at the website tarabrock.com, and that's T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H.com. So welcome, Tara. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Oh, and I'm I'm really glad to be part of this too, Laurel. So thanks for inviting me. So before we begin to enter into a dialogue about taking, oh, 
Let's stop for a moment right here, right now. And with your next breath, allow your mind to drop down into your heart. For this moment, we focus on being right where we are, feeling our body, sitting or standing. We open our minds to divine omnipresence and recognize that one reality, called by many names, is the source and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present. As you, as me, as everyone, within us, around us, and between us, our own inner refuge. In this moment, we simply let our attention move within to the depths of our being. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. Not trying to change it, just noticing. Inhalation and exhalation. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. Our thoughts don't touch our innermost essence, our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, pure existence being. Unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace, emanating from the essence of our being, pervades the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Welcome again, Tara. Mm, what a lovely way to to arrive with you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the yoga tradition, there's the understanding that our true refuge is the radiant purity of our essence of being. We are sat, chit, ananda, existence, awareness, and bliss. The joy that comes from self-awareness. All that we seek, we already are. 
this truth is expressed somewhat differently in cultural and religious traditions. So what does the expression true refuge mean to you? You know, it's interesting the way you opened because um, one of the things that drew me to the the whole understanding of refuge was that those three uh, primal expressions or typical expressions of uh, beingness, what you described, Satchitananda, really are in uh, the Buddhist tradition also the same uh, three refuges. And I found them in men. It's it seems to cross many traditions that. Uh, that there are kind of three archetypal expressions, and they are in some way that sense of truth of uh, what's really right here, this reality that's emanating in this moment, and then uh, chit, this awareness, this, this vast formless dimension of just being. And Ananda, it's in, in Buddhism it may be more described as uh, love, as an expression of love, but it's similar, and you find it in, in many traditions. So it's... Uh, I, um, there's something in it that feels very organic and resonant about those three gateways. Mm. So the other, the other part of that, you know, is this idea of true refuge. So how does true refuge differ from false refuges? It's a great question because I've, I've loved the, the language of false refuge, not that there's something bad, but that they don't work. And true refuge is when we come home to those three expressions of, uh, you know, truth, of awareness, of love, and that we're really at home in the essence and purity of what we are. And what happens for most of us is that when we're stressed, when we're, when we're challenged, our first reflex, our conditioning is to go for what most immediately will soothe or comfort us. You know, we go, we go for security. So it may be um, overeating or winning approval or accomplishing more or controlling things. Those are false refuges. So the ways we get kind of hooked on trying to feel better that give us a temporary fix but they actually keep us from the presence that lets us touch and trust something much deeper that can really hold our lives. So that's why I call them false refuges. Not like it's bad that we do them. We all, we all have some tendencies to um, try to take care of ourselves in ways that aren't really helpful. Right. And, uh, I, of course, that also extends to, you know, other areas, things like, you know, alcohol and drug use and those kinds of things as well. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We have these, you know, everybody's got their palate, you know, <laughs> that they're doing to kind of create create their lives. And and for me, really, the motivation in, in writing True Refuge was I got uh, very sick about 10 years ago and I kept going downhill and downhill and it became clearer than ever to me in my life that for every one of us we're going to we face the the losses of our body and our minds and other beings that we love and if we don't have a way of of really coming home to true refuge to that loving presence that's really essence um, then we suffer and so my prayer i remember at one point because i i had been uh, in a very Athletic, and one of my great loves was being outdoors and being able to move around, and I was becoming less and less mobile. And by the way, I'm much better now. But at that point, um, it became, I hit a point that I realized, oh, I'm, everything I love doing, I'm not going to be able to do. And 
this very deep prayer came up in me. Um, may I love this life no matter what. You know, mm. may, may I really, may I find that the peace and the love that's here no matter what is going on, you know, including dying. And it was that prayer that really took me deeper on the path of true refuge, of really um, finding my way home and even when life wasn't going my way, so to speak, uh, finding that place of being at, in balance and open and caring and okay. And, and I'll just add one other thing, Laurel, is that um, there's a palliative caregiver who describes being with thousands of people. And the, she said, the greatest regret of the dying is I didn't live true to myself. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I got caught on all those those um, dead ends of what we were just talking about, whether it's drugs or overeating or trying to control other people, you know, and not really staying true to to my heart. And so I think that all that all of us deep down, and it's not just when we're dying, um, it can very easily we can start sensing when we're, uh, you know, we feel a sense of disappointment when we're not really living our lives. Um, from the depth and the purity of who we are. So, so a path of true refuge is really staying connected with what most matters. Mm. Yeah, it's just a lovely way of describing it. So you mentioned uh, already in the conversation the three gateways uh, to true refuge as truth, love, and awareness. So although these gateways ultimately become one, let's start by looking at each gateway as its own entry into mm-hmm. true refuge. So how do you understand the gateway of truth? Uh, the gateway of truth for me, the practices and the way of experiencing it is really the present moment. It's like what, the question is, what is actually happening right now? And because the only way we can really perceive truth is utterly, um, utterly inhabiting this moment. And so it's really being, waking up our senses and recognizing the different ways of experience that are right here and, um, letting go into them, letting go into that flow, and that way seeing clearly the nature of things. Mm. Yes, the eternal now. Exactly, yes. Yes, yeah. So uh, what does the gateway of love look like? And, and Yes, and all the gateways, by the way, are completely interdependent because if you really open to the present moment, your heart opens in love. And you can emphasize yes. one versus yes. another. So the gateway of love looks like when we realize our connection, our belonging, the visceral experience of the heart, the, the actual tenderness and warmth and boundlessness of the heart when we're recognizing uh, we're not separate. We belong to this web of aliveness. We belong to that, that one light of awareness that shines through everything. We belong. I love that word, that description of visceral, you know, nature mm. of the, you know, that it just, it really touches that felt sense. It's not a, uh, it's not a, a mental, you know, thing. It's a, you know, it's our heart, right? I'm, I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way that love is, so, you know, completely overused word. And it's not until we become embodied and um, we, you know, we're very dissociative culture. So it actually takes practice to come into the body and open through all the different blockages and the layers of fear and so on. So 
getting to love requires opening through fear. And, it, and, it, and there's a distinctive tenderness and felt sense of the heart as it begins to open that becomes very, very, um, it becomes edgeless and very sweet. But it requires going through the body. And then how about the gateway of awareness? The gateway of awareness is, in my, my terminology, would really be realizing the formless presence that's, that's source. It's that beingness that has no, nothing you can see, nothing you can feel directly, and yet it's absolutely an imminent, luminous presence, but it's empty of any form or solidity. So awareness is that space of wakefulness that's really our essence. Yeah. So in the Kriya Yoga tradition, meditation is emphasized as an effective practice to open us up to the direct experience of the truth of our own being. So how does meditation relate to the three gateways that you that we've been discussing? Uh, same. I, the, by the way, I, the Kriya tradition, I, I maybe want to step back and say, is very, very um, resonant for me and um, the, the, the overlaps, it's just lang- a lot of differences or language with uh, kind of my Buddhist background. So I just thought mm-hmm. I'd name that. Um, <laughs> y- yeah, um, well, meditation is the intentional, uh, you know, t- paying attention in, a, in an intentional way. And there are practices that reveal and unfold each of the uh, gateways to refuge. So the practices that unfold truth are the ones that bring us into the present moment in a, in a very unconditional way where we really learn there's kind of two questions that bring us into the moment and one is what is happening inside me right this moment and the second is and can I be with this or can I let this be? So there's that, that sense of contacting what's here and then complete openness to how it is without interfering at all. So that's the core practice that brings us into the truth of the moment, and it's described in Buddhism as mindfulness, as being uh, completely without any judgment, aware of what's happening moment to moment. And then there's practices that awaken the heart, uh, practices of forgiveness, practices of compassion, practices of loving kindness, where we pay attention in ways that remind us and reconnect us with, again, that visceral sense of tenderness. And there's practices that uh, point to and turn us towards awareness, um, and, and those include practices of inquiry, you know, who am I, you know, who's aware, the kind of practices that turn our mind to um, behind the form, what's that awareness that's really recognizing the moment, you know, that, that kind of backward step is sometimes described, and practices of surrender, uh, that the, letting, the, the, the radical letting go where we just then become the awareness, just being the awareness. Um, so, there, so for each of the gateways, and I'm just naming some of the more hmm. well-known ones, there are practices that turn us towards that particular flavor of awakened awareness. So that brings us to our first break. 
You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Tara Brock. You can learn more about Tara and her book, True Refuge, Finding Peace and Freedom in Your Own Awakened Heart, at her website, tarabrock.com, which is T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien and discussing Take Refuge in the Truth of Loving Awareness. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. There is peace. There is quiet. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. 
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Tara Brock, founder of the Insight Meditation Community in Washington, D.C., and author of the book, True Refuge, Finding Peace and Freedom in Your Own Awakened Heart. Today, we're discussing Take Refuge in the Truth of Loving Awareness. Paramahansa Yogananda said, live each moment completely and the future will take care of itself. Fully enjoy the wonder and beauty of each moment. The Kriya Yoga tradition stresses that spiritual awakening is not just a lofty goal for a few saints. Awakening to the wonder and beauty of our existence is available to each of us in the present moment. Tara, you write that one of the great gifts of the spiritual path is coming to trust that you can find your way home to the true refuge that is yourself. How does this trust arise, believing that we can indeed find our way to true refuge? Well, I love that question because trust is really uh, the sign. I mean, it's like it's, it lets us know, oh, when we feel trust that we really can rest. And I, I sometimes uh, like to start with saying that um, it's very natural that there's mistrust. And we, if, you, if I think of our evolution in terms of consciousness, you know, we, we emerge and feel a sense of separation and then there's this fight, flight, and freeze, and we have all this conditioning to, to organize around a separate self that feels threatened and needs things. And it's just not the end of the evolutionary story. We we are awakening in a way that actually the frontal cortex, the most recently evolved part of our brain, can have empathy and compassion, and consciousness itself is waking up to realize itself. So as we begin to practice, to meditate, to deepen our attention, we start resting more and more in that uh, consciousness that is really innately loving. And I find for most of us that there's a, a gradual sense of, oh, I can trust this. In fact, mm-hmm. we start realizing that the, the love and the presence is more the truth of who we are than any story we've been living in about ourselves. And that is the incredible, precious gift of, of a spiritual path, that, oh, this is really who I am. I'm not that story of a failing self. And, and I find for many people... What helps to deepen the trust is um, when we sense our own longing to wake up, it's that, that we come to the spiritual path because there's something in us, some yearning to be more who we really are. And it's very sincere. And any time we get a taste of that yearning, that itself deepens our trust in who we are. Because in mm. a way, the yearning is... I kind of think of it as it's the voice of our own awakened heart calling us home. Yes. Yeah, it's a lovely way to put it. Yeah. So, um, what are some things that we can do uh, to develop greater trust in our own spiritual path? I mean, you did mention that the more that you do it, there is a, there begins to be a calling, you know, uh, you know, a, um, 
you know, we meditate and we do have that experience of our own deeper, you know, true self that then calls us back as you beautifully, you know, described. But perhaps, you know, how, how do we begin? Or mm-hmm. if we've had a rough patch, you know, in our meditation mm-hmm. and we've gotten away from it, do you have any tips? Yeah, well, and, and even more than a rough patch, I think for many of us, um, there's a lot of struggle with self-doubt. And so just to recognize that, you know, we come into the game, so to speak, with, you know, for many people because of the culture and critical parents, you know, and all the messages of how we're supposed to be, there's a very deep sense of mistrust that I'm something's wrong with me. In fact, I, my first book, Radical Acceptance, I, I talk about the trance of unworthiness that we that we live in, that we have this, it's not just judgment, we have a deep sense of, of being flawed. And I think that's the biggest challenge uh, in our culture and beyond. And I remember one woman uh, was with her mother when her mother was in a coma. And um, at one moment, she, the mother woke up from the coma and just looked her daughter in the eyes and said, you know, all my life I thought something was wrong with me. And then she closed her eyes, and that was those were her last words. Um, for my friend, this was an amazing wake-up because she realized, wow, we, we spend days, months, years in some way thinking we're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And even when we get on the spiritual path, it's like, I'm not meditating enough. I'm not dedicated enough. I'm not, you know. And that uh, that mantra, that narrative is actually what's between us and freedom. So when, when we really explore, well, how do I deepen my trust? Part of it is first waking up to the reality that we are often living in a, in a very limiting narrative. We're often telling ourselves stories about what's wrong with us. And to bring that into awareness itself, if we say, okay, that's the trance of unworthiness, or that's, that's my story of being flawed, helps us to rest in a larger awareness than that, to step out of it. So for many people that I work with, um, self-compassion, you know, being able to sense that, that ways that we're at war with ourselves and hold that with great kindness in the moments that we're kind to ourselves. And, and I think even a gesture of kindness um, makes a huge difference. I sometimes will just put my hand on my heart and say, it's okay, sweetheart, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm striving and feeling like I'm not enough. And just a moment of pausing and saying, it's okay, sweetheart, it's okay, you know. This is not, the who you are is not the failing self. That's just a, a pattern. In that moment, I relax open to something larger that that's caring and holding a space and present and that deepens trust that moment mm. so so one of the things i often will describe i have a metaphor that's that people find helpful of um if you're walking in the woods and you you know see a little dog under a tree and you go to pet the dog and the dog lurches at you with its fangs bared and and you know and you go from being friendly to you know being really angry at the dog but then you look and see that the one of the dog's legs is in a trap and in that moment you go oh oh you poor thing and it's that getting that if we are behaving in a less than perfect we're not fitting our idea of who we should be as a spiritual person 
our legs in a trap. In some way, we're caught in some old conditioning. It's not our fault. It's just playing out. Or if somebody else is behaving in a way that offends us, that we think is they should be different. When it should is a big signal that we're, you know, that judgment's there. So if, if we're judging, that's a moment to pause and really see how there's some suffering going on, some vulnerability. And in that moment of seeing and becoming more tender and forgiving, we actually start occupying a more awake uh, domain of our being, and trust is deepened. So mm-hmm. I'm just giving you some examples of how yeah. we actually move from mistrust to trust by really being kind to ourselves. Oh, yeah, I, I really like that. That's a, that's a great example. So in your book, one of the many spiritual practices that you share is known by the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N. It's a process of responding mindfully to all sorts of challenges. So what are the four steps of the RAIN process and how do they work? Yeah, well, RAIN, RAIN is a way of, you know, we... we Times we most need to be present. The times that we, it's hardest to get there. <laughs> so, so rain's a kind of a, a down and dirty, quick way to, you know, okay, let me get back. And the R is to recognize. You just say you recognize. Oh, what's going on here? Okay, I'm angry. I'm afraid. I'm impatient. The A is to allow. So you just let it be there. You don't try to fix it or change it. It just says, okay, let it be. These are waves of the ocean. Just let them, let them roll. The I is investigate. You kind of deepen the attention and you're saying, well, what's it really like? You come into the body, you feel what's there. But the I is a double I, really, because it's investigate with an intimate attention. It has to be very kind, because if you don't investigate with kindness, what you want to see will kind of contract away from you. <laughs> you know, it's like the vulnerable parts of our being will not express themselves if we're being judgmental. So you investigate with kindness. The end is actually the fruit of the process. If you've, if you've been present, recognizing, allowing, investigating with kindness, there's a very full presence that unfolds. And in that presence, you be, the end is not identified. It dissolves the sense of identity of a small self that's doing something wrong or is angry or whatever, and you're resting in, and this is another way to think of the end, in your natural loving awareness. You're back home again. So I'll give you an example because I, I find it works best if you kind of sense it as, as a process of one man who uh, was uh, an executive and he was actually doing a uh, mindfulness course because of his anger. At the end of the day, he had a stop, late night uh, stop at a supermarket to pick up some last-minute things, and he fills his cart and gets in line, and the woman in front of him only has one thing, but she has a child in her arms, and she's handing the child over to the clerk. So he, his anger flares up because, you know, I'm a busy, important person, and this is taking too long, and I have things to do. And so he... He re- So in that moment, he begins rain. Oh, recognize. Okay, anger's going on. Okay, allow, let it be there. And then he goes inward, investigate. Okay, under the anger, mm, 
fear. I'm anxious, you know, anxious. I won't get things done, and then life will fall apart. And that squeeze in the chest and feeling it and breathing with it. And breathing with it kindly. This is just conditioning, you know. And in the moments of real presence and real kindness, he felt himself enlarged and open to something larger than that angry self. That's the end of rain, not identified, back to natural presence. He looked at the little girl and he thought, oh, she's, she's kind of cute. When it was his turn, he said to the clerk, you know, that, that child was, was adorable. And the clerk beamed back at him. He said, she said, well, you know, that's my daughter. My, my mother um, brings her over twice a day because my husband was killed in Afghanistan. And this is my way of being able to have some visiting time with my daughter. So I share that, that story, Lauren, um, because Rain, being able to pause and deepen our attention and open back into, you know, our, our wholeness, um, it can happen on small things when we're being judgmental or petty or really large things where we wake up and we see, oh, the world's not the way we thought it was. It, it really opens us up of, out of our patterning. Um, so you can apply rain to anything, and sometimes you can do it in a few moments, and sometimes it's a process that's used therapeutically over months and months and months, and you have to keep redoing it and redoing it because the patterns are so sticky. Yes, we all have uh, <clears throat> our, our areas that we go to uh, again and again, you know, whether it's, you know, anger or uh, fear or what have you. So when you describe the process, to me, there's there's a piece of it that does have to do with surrender, which is another thing that I wanted to ask you about. Um, so uh, surrender of a separate self is one of the three key practices of Kriya Yoga set forth in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other two besides uh, surrender, um, self-surrender, are self-discipline and self-study. But, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, so even in your description, you know, when you described um, the the rain process, you know, it, it seems to me that part of what you're doing is surrendering and setting aside, um, you know, your um, separateness. You know, I mean, in order to get back to that set, that place of connection, um, you know, there is a there is a um, it, you know, surrender is one word to describe. You know what happens. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful way of describing it because. When it, with rain, we're surrendering our old patterning. Yes. So if the old pattern for that, for that man would be to get carried away in a spiral of thoughts of self-importance and, you know, build up all the physical tensions, that's one patterning. And what he did was he surrendered that patterning into presence. Mm-hmm. And he did it in a kind of systematic way, the way I'm describing it. But all surrender is, it's like if you have a tight fist, it's not like you're doing anything. You're just seizing to clench. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. a se- it's a seizing to clench. It's like you're undoing the doing. Um, one, one description was with Swami Sachananda, another uh, Hindu yogi, who um, one of his followers said, you know, do I have to be able to, do I have to be a Hindu to, to practice this yoga you teach? He goes, and, and Swami Sachananda said, I am not a Hindu, I am an undo. <laughs> and I thought that was perfect because, you know, he's an undo. It's like what we're really doing, we're not, meditating isn't a doing, we're not trying to get somewhere. 
We're really undoing uh, the selfing, the, the habits that keep on reconstructing a sense of separate self. We're undoing those patternings. And we know from now from neuroscience with neuroplasticity that the, the old patterns really can be uh, changed. And, and meditation is a way of kind of undoing the old patterning of feeling unworthy or feeling like we're the doer or anything that says there's a separate self here and beginning to access the part of our brain and our consciousness that realizes there's no separation. And and as that happens, then the universal energies of the universal intelligence and love can flow through us because we're not knotted around a sense of separateness. Mm, I really like that image of unclenching, unclenching, mm. the, you know, the uh, the fist, you know, indeed. So, um, this brings us to okay, another break. To add, okay, uh-huh. good, good, good. No, no yeah. go ahead. We, we have a minute. So go, one of go the ahead. main ways that we unclench is around thinking. Like we get any tra- meditation training that says, okay, those are thoughts, but just come into the actual reality of the moment. Every time we let go of the clench of a thought, because the thought's a contraction, we open back into the flow of, of presence and reality. And one of my favorite mantras that helps with that is the, the words real but not true. Mm-hmm. That, um, and this is a, a Sokni Rinpoche, who I first heard it from, where our thoughts are real, they're happening, but they're not the truth of what exists. They're just a concept. So any moment that you can say real but not true and let go of thoughts, that's a surrendering back into the stream that is a liberating uh, dimension of our practice. Yes, uh, just very well said. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for regular guest um, Yogacharya, I'm sorry, regular host Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is Tara Brock, and we've been discussing Take Refuge in the Truth of Loving Awareness. You can find out more about Tara and her books at tarabrock.com. That's T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H dot com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact Contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back to explore more about what becomes possible when we take refuge in our inner sanctuary. Available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world in all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free you pray app and links to download. Visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. Somewhere. 
tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the yoga hour at unityonlineradio.org and we will respond now back to the yoga hour welcome back to the yoga hour i'm dr laurel trujillo sitting in for the yoga hour's regular host yogacharya ellen grace o'brien my guest today is tara brock author of the book true refuge finding peace and freedom in your own awakened heart Today we're discussing Take Refuge in the Truth of Loving Awareness. Let's take a look at what becomes possible when we connect with our own natural innate sense of presence, which, as you describe it, is wakeful, open, tender, and loving. First, in your own life, what have you experienced as flowing from that deepening sense of loving awareness? Hmm, that's, it's a fun question just to kind of sense so what have been the blessings here. You know, in a way, uh, more spontaneity. Uh, that the more, you know, the more, I, and I find this with many people, the more we're trusting that it's not like we have to try to get somewhere, that it's what we already are. There's kind of a resting back, and then and then life becomes more spontaneous. It's like it's not even we're trying to let go into the currents. We we are the currents, so there's kind of a, a playfulness in it. But, you know, I also love the language of serving and savoring, um, that part of what flows from it is serving. It's not like I'm serving others. It's that... Um, I just feel a part, you know, there's a sense of being a part of everything and what else is there to do but to um, hold out that kind of thing. But there's also an amazing kind of savoring, uh, Laurel, that that I find more and more um, where I'm just getting stunned by the simple things. I'm looking out right now and there's a very large, like a turkey vulture and just, just enjoying the way, the grace of, of life, how it moves, and appreciation. So there's a lot of different dimensions that flow out of, out of that presence that you describe. Mm. 
Yeah, for me, uh, one of the things I've always appreciated is just that uh, ability to access that peace, that sense of peace. And that's what I heard behind, you know, what you were talking mm-hmm. about is that um, that blossoming, you know, of the present moment, you know, into that, uh, just that lovely um, inner abode of peace. Yeah, there's a, yeah, that sense that there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Is another yes. way to put it. It sounds yeah. negative, but it's not because we live so many of our moments with a sense that in some way it's supposed to be different or that there's something wrong with how it is or something's missing and there's really nothing missing. Like everything that we long for, it's already here right, right. now. Yeah. So you've worked with many people through your role as a psychotherapist and as a meditation teacher. And in your book, you share stories about the healing that some of these people experienced as they moved toward uh, presence, the truth of their own being. What have you learned about the power of presence from your work with your many clients and students over the years? Well, you know, when I when you ask that, I think of all of all of you who are listening, and I think of you, Laurel, and myself, that we kind of know that it's when we hit, um, you know, when life falls apart, when things get shaken up, um, either we tighten up against it, either there's a resisting, or in some way um, we let it crack us open, and then what flows is something deeper flows through us. We start learning and contacting um, what's more universal, the, the love, the resilience, the courage, the, the deep intuitive capacities. Um, and what I've witnessed over and over again, and especially since I wrote True Refuge, because people share their True Refuge stories with me, is um, so many people, you know, encountering the kind of losses that I can say honestly I haven't encountered in my life where, you know, a child committing suicide or, um, you know, something, you know, where you really, your life gets just stripped down to the core. And finding in the midst of those losses, that shattering, um, some sense of of that, the love that holds everything and being and letting that carry them and um so so i've seen over and over again this remarkable resilience that comes from um being present and just hanging in through something there's some very deep mysterious and beautiful um understanding that wakes up that really lets uh, lets us rest in reality and find peace in it I see it over and over again, and it's what every time I, I lead a retreat and I see people going through, let's say, 10 days and encountering a lot of the unprocessed uh, wounds and so on and coming out the other side um, so much more awake and loving and whole, it just gives me such faith in uh, this practice of presence. Mm, I've seen it over and over again, you know, in your um, in your experience. So, so this episode is part of a series on spiritual practice. Uh, sometimes people misunderstand the inward t- turning nature of spiritual practices, such as meditation and self inquiry, as being too self centered or you know being self absorbed. 
Um, in the yoga tradition, the goal of spiritual practice is to realize our underlying union, you know, with that presence that we've been talking about. And then from that loving awareness, we're naturally moved to serve others and to serve all of life. So, um, how do you understand the connection between our spiritual practice and then service to others and the world? Well, actually, just as you said, which is quite beautiful, that when we are resting in loving awareness, the natural expression of that awareness is it's responsive. <laughs> so there's an incredible sensitivity to to suffering. We sense the vulnerability in others, and it's uh, the 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 natural inclination is to reach out, not to other as in out there other. It's just that beings are part of us. And so there's there's a natural responsiveness to the world. I've always been inspired by uh, Gandhi was said to have taken a day each week for spiritual practice, no matter what was going on. The, the British Empire might have been completely on his heels, but he'd say, oh, my time off. And he said he did it so that his activism would come from the deepest and most pure uh, place in his heart. And and I think that there's a beautiful synergy between spiritual practice that keeps uh, awakening and and reminding us of who we really are, and then living and having our activities come out of that compassion and presence. So to me, that's really the hope of of uh, of evolution and mankind. And you know, I was um, I was thinking about this recently because I've been very I've been involved with a white awareness group that's really learning about white privilege more and trying to uncover our own biases and so that we can really be more, really stand much more in solidarity uh, with those that have experienced so much violence from the racism in this country. And so last week I went to a vigil. Uh, this is a delegation of, of grieving mothers who, each of, there are 10 of them who had had, African Americans had their sons uh, killed by white policemen. Um, these, their, their sons were unarmed and so on. So there were 10 of them in the vigil. And there was something so powerful about bearing witness and seeing uh, the the courage and the commitment and the love and the grief of these women and and sensing that their sons were not they were my sons too and their broken hearts was my broken heart too and to be able to then go into action and there's a number of us that are fairly activists you know whether it's in in the Buddhist community whether it's responding to racism or you know the the earth, the disease of of our earth, or or whatever it is, to be able to respond from a place of presence and love versus anger and pointing fingers and blaming. Because right. I'm just so, so aware that transformation never occurs if we just meet violence with violence. I mean, that's like every spiritual tradition says that. Right, right. And I, I think we, also, need to, yeah. we, we need to uh, unfortunately bring it to close, but that's a lovely you know place to close, you know, actually. 
So uh, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien and I've been having a really lovely conversation with our special guest, Tara Brock, who is a psychotherapist, author, and mindfulness meditation teacher. You can find out more about Tara's books and events at tarabrock.com. Uh, it's T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H.com. So thank you again, Tara, for joining us. Total pleasure. So uh, please join us again uh, next week on uh, the Yoga Hour, which will be Christmas Day, for an encore presentation on Ahimsa, the power of nonviolence to light the world. Yogacharya O'Brien speaks with guest Michael Nagler, who's author of The Search for a Nonviolent Future, A Promise of Peace for Ourselves, Our Families, and Our World. Um, for information about uh, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, please visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is on the road. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Many people believe that happiness is an addition problem. If we can add what we want to our life, then we will be happy. In reality, happiness is a subtraction problem. It is learning to subtract all that has kept us from being happy. What thought, fear, or belief is keeping you from being happy? Let it go from your mind and watch how much happier you become. Let go of the past. Release regret and resentment, and you'll be free to move forward and create the life you deserve. This moment of inspiration was brought to you by Reverends Richard Mirage and Richard Rogers, hosts of Spiritual R&R. For more spiritual insight, join them every Monday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day, 
Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 